Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start, we have a request. If you are genuinely enjoying what we do here on the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app. It really helps us to grow the podcast and ensures that we bring you great marketing tips and advice each week. Now, today I'm joined by Sean Ellis. He is an author, um, an author of Hacking Growth. Sean, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing, Andy? I'm very, very well. Have I got the name of your book right? You have. Hacking Growth. Start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your book. Sure. So I am the founder and CEO of growthhackers.com. And uh, prior to that, I've led a couple of companies on the marketing side from customer zero through IPO filing. So first was a game company called Uproar, mm. another company called Log Me In. Started both those companies out of Eastern Europe, so out of Budapest. And yeah. uh both of them listed on NASDAQ in the United States. LogMeIn today is about a $5 billion company. Yeah. And um, after I left LogMeIn, I realized that a lot, of, a lot of the success at both of those companies were what you do in the first year of customer engagement once your product's ready. And so I really wanted to focus and specialize on that area. So that's where I helped companies like Dropbox come to market and Eventbrite, uh, another company called Lookout. But it was just, it was just a way of being able to learn in that really sensitive part of a company. And those, those companies have all gone on to do really well. So, and then I, I started one company called Qualaroo a few years ago and we sold that last year. Um, that was a customer insights company. We, we sold that after it got to you know millions of dollars in recurring revenue. And then now with growthhackers.com, we've been, uh, we're about a year, year and a half into it and it's going well. And part of what we're trying to trying to communicate through growthhackers.com through our software and and community is uh, really aligned with the mission of why we why we put the book out there. That's, that's certainly quite an impressive portfolio. And I'm always uh, very impressed by people, not only people that, that grow businesses like you have, but also people that can write books because I've been trying to write a book for about the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. Um, I, think, I was going to say, I think if I didn't have my co-author Morgan Brown on the book, I would never get a book done. But he's uh, he's the guy who really shepherded it to make really? sure that we got it done. So he's 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 a good good partner on the book. Yeah, I might have to borrow him actually to try and get my book out. <laughs> so I'm interested in the uh, the sort of the thing thinking sort of you know, how did your book uh, come to be why did you write the book what were you thinking at the time what were the sort of motivating factors yeah so i i coined the term growth hacking in 2010 and 
since that time, it's actually really taken off. I'm not sure in all corners of the planet, but I know like in France, it's, it's a really big concept. Uh, I've been invited. I, I spoke in China in, in December and been invited really around the world to present on growth hacking. But what I found is that there's a lot of confusion about what it is. And there's, you know, some, some people kind of uh, have alternative definitions that they've put out there. And so for me, what I really wanted to do was uh, write a book where we could capture just the power of growth hacking. I mean, it's, it's really the force that has grown Facebook to be this multi, you know, I think they're 400 plus billion dollar valuation now. Yeah. Um, it's the process I used at Dropbox, but LinkedIn, Airbnb, Uber, all these companies have used this approach to drive these massive gains. And it's not the same approach as, you know, tr- traditionally we do in online marketing. And so I wanted to, to write a book that, that really kind of broke it down and, and gave people the insights in how, how to effectively approach growth in a way that they can drive sustainable customer and revenue growth. And that's, that's we've, we've really laid out a very detailed playbook in, in hacking growth to, to help people do that. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll drill down into a couple of concepts in a minute, but I'm interested, you mentioned about... Um, a, def- a definition of growth hacking and um i was wondering you've probably devoted an entire chapter to this but is it possible yeah. in the in a, in a couple of minutes to give us your sort of definition of what growth hacking hacking would be sure yeah i think the, the best is to try to really contrast it with marketing um and and marketing not in it as it's traditionally defined but marketing as it really works in most um online companies anyway and that's where Marketers are basically trusted with external channels. So running ads on Facebook and Google and, you know, some of us have been able to fight to, to maybe be able to, to experiment on landing pages. Mm. But what, what I discovered, particularly at LogMeIn and Dropbox, was that the real power in making those things work is being able to use that same experimental approach all the way through the customer journey. So yeah. being able to get the first user experience right on the product and, and run lots of experiments there, being able to experiment in uh, retention and monetization and referral programs, all of these things give you huge leverage out in those channels. And that's really what growth hacking is, is that it takes this holistic approach to growth and experimentation at really every step in the customer journey to, to be able to accelerate growth of, of customers and revenue. I mean, it reminds me a little bit. I mean, I'm always doing this, and sometimes the analogy breaks down a bit. But I'm a software developer, so the idea of uh, kind of like experimenting and 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 sort of tweaking as you go along makes me think of agile. You've probably come across this this notion of yeah. agile. That's right, and that makes me think of like how tricky communication can be. So I suppose my question is, in the in because you work with Dropbox, didn't you? Some of these large organisations is. Is that difficult to do? Is it difficult to communicate amongst all the different departments and sort of coordinate people to get that done? It must bring its own challenges. Yeah, hugely difficult. That's that's one of the biggest challenges. I think conceptually a lot of people understand the power of growth hacking now, mm. but the actual how to do it, especially because the most powerful levers of growth usually sit within the product organization, mm. and they don't have that same – You know, some of them might have that, that kind of agile development mindset, but – Marketers are testing at a at a whole other pace and yeah. usually with a specific result in mind. Where agile development, um, it's maybe maybe you're optimizing for engagement to some degree, yeah. but um, 
what I, I think one of the big things that we talk about in the book is that by establishing a common success metric across the company yes. and that, that success metric based on actual value delivered to customers, mm. it's through that, that value with customers that you're able to retain those customers and get them to talk about the product to other people, get them to pay for the product. And so if you can build a or, or define a very specific success metric in, in growth hacking, we call it a North Star metric, that yeah. can go a long way in aligning these different departments to to really working together to move that metric in the right direction. Yeah. You talk about this in the book. I know that it's a fascinating name, North Star metric. Do you know where that came from? I... I think it probably came out of Facebook. Yeah. That's, I, I don't actually know who, who first came up with it as a, as a term, but yeah. um, I know Facebook, very early on in the Facebook business, Mark Zuckerberg defined a North Star metric, and yeah. at, at the time it was uh, monthly active users, and since then it's moved into the daily active users. So everything that they do is about trying to get more active users on the platform because they know in a social network that value is a function of your friends and other people that are on that system. And they're, they're simply, they're simply kind of the connectivity tissue that sits between people. And so, um, that's their success metric for a company like Uber or Airbnb. It's the success metric is actually maybe a little simpler or easier to get your head around. For Airbnb, it's it's nights booked. So yeah. every time a night is booked, there's value delivered to a host, there's value delivered to a guest, and they know that if they can expand the footprint of nights booked, they're going to be able to retain those hosts and the and guests, and through that value delivery, be able to ultimately uh, scale revenue in a in a way that's sustainable. I know that um, another one of the areas that you talk about in your book is this notion of uh, like sort of must-have products and sort of validating those um, those sort of must-have products. Tell us a bit about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so I, yeah, I I first kind of came up with this concept myself when I started working with Dropbox and some of these other companies. I, I had just come off of these two hugely successful companies, and I thought, you know, the next one statistically will fail. So. Mm. Um, I started asking myself, why will it fail? Is it going to fail because I'm not working hard enough as a marketer? Is it because I'm not creative enough as a marketer? Is it because I'm not analytical enough? And and what I realized is that I, I know I'm going to work hard and that I've, I've got a pretty good approach to this. But ultimately, if nobody wants the product, I'm screwed. I could be the best marketer in the world. But if the product doesn't deliver real value to people, then then I'm going to fail. And so that's really the starting point of success in any business is being able to make sure that somebody considers the product a must have. And, you know, the, the, the long-term metric for that for most people is just ongoing retention. If I can retain those customers over time, that's an indication that they're getting value, but it takes a long time to validate it that way. So I, I found a shortcut where I actually just ask the users on the product, how would you feel if you could no longer use this product? Yes. And I give them a multiple choice question, very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, not disappointed. And I'm only focused on the people who answer very disappointed because yeah. those, those people really hold the keys to helping me understand who are they, how do they use the product, what's the benefit that they get. And so if I can, if I can really key all of my marketing activity around the needs of those people, then, then I'm likely to be able to build a, a pretty big, sustainable user base on the product. Now, I'm just wondering, what, what's your feel, Sean, for how companies generally are sort of 
doing what you preach. Do you think it's a lot of companies could benefit from doing it more? Do you think, think a lot of companies are doing it? Do you think companies generally aren't doing it? Do you think they're too static? What's your general feeling? So what's interesting is that all of the companies that are really successful with this tend to have implemented a cross-functional approach to growth in the very early days of the business. So as I said, Facebook from super early on had this North Star metric and implemented a a cross-functional growth team in 2008. So it was still a $15 billion company already at that point. So they, they would be maybe a little bit later, but they, they already had a very you know, growth-oriented CEO who was pushing the envelope on growth and keeping everybody focused on it even before that point. So it was just sort of formalized in that growth team a little bit later. What, what I think the harder part is, is for companies that are still very siloed. So they've got their product team, their marketing team, their engineering team, maybe customer support and success. And those teams don't really communicate well together and aren't collaborating on experiments. Yeah. It's really hard to change the behavior in established companies to, yes. to get them to do that. And yeah. so there's a couple of companies that have done well, well with it, but I think we're still waiting for that prototype company that's made a transition to cross-functional growth team. Uh, the closest that I've seen is Adobe. Um, they, what they did is they set up a kind of a startup within Adobe on a product that they call Adobe Spark. And we, we actually had a growth hacking conference in Los Angeles last week. And so the guy who's running growth for this product spoke at the conference and it was, it was pretty fascinating what they've done. They basically, they basically put the vision out that we talk about in the book of what the, what the right organization should look like, how a company should approach this and recruited from across the company, engineers. So it's not just engineers that like to really dig in long-term on a project, but it's engineers that are okay prototyping things and getting feedback and and iterating on that feedback. So much more of that agile approach that you talked about. Designers the same way. And so they, they basically recruited from across the organization people who wanted to move at this fast pace and be really experimental. And all, all signs that I've seen is that they're doing it really well. But I've, I ran a growth hacking kind of workshop to kick off a whole week for L'Oreal in Los Angeles. They came out in February and all of the country managers from from around the world at L'Oreal had a one week focused on learning growth hacking. So you're 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 definitely seeing it in big companies. I was recently invited out to Procter and Gamble to to help them with growth hacking. I had a conflict so I couldn't do it, but I I presented at Microsoft a couple of months ago. So you are seeing more and more big companies um, trying to make this transition, but the bigger they are, it's it's really hard to break down some of those uh, entrenched silos that have been there long term. And so I think the 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 right approach is going to be a find find a way where it's less threatening to those silos. And you know it, I think the Adobe way where they where they just built a whole new team and product in the business, can work, but how do you how do you take those existing products that have been around for for a while and and breathe new growth energy into those products? That that's probably a little harder, um, yeah. and we're still still waiting for the right way to do that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I'm just thinking, um, for the benefit of our, our listeners, I nearly said users then because I'm thinking of development, our listeners. <laughs> um, if you had a couple of um, top tips or takeaway for our audience today, bearing in mind that we think most of our audience are the smaller end of the businesses, which are probably already quite sort of agile and sort of forward thinking, yep. what would be uh, two or three nice, good tips if they wanted to get more sort of experimental and, and sort of um, hacky? It sounds bad, doesn't it? Hacky in a good way <laughs> in their sort of marketing <laughs> systems. Yeah. So I think, you know, one advantage of, of being small, as you said, is that you're already, you have that agility in place. And, um, so that's the time to kind of try to put the right systems in place that if, if you do get bigger and it, you know, it's, it's great to be small, but yeah. you know, a, a really successful company is going to grow. And so that's what you probably should be aspiring toward. Then, then it's really like, how, what should I focus on putting in place in the early days? And so I would, I would recommend a couple of things. So one, uh, the North star metric that I've already addressed, I, yeah. I would, I would suggest that really try to figure out what is that one metric that reflects value in your business. And it, it really starts with that must have question that I talked about. So understand who your must have users are, what is the benefit that they get from the product? And then how do I quantify growth of that benefit? More people experiencing that benefit more often. And, um, so once you've established a North star metric, then what you want to do is really start to diagram the journey. So even in a one man company, you could, you can still do this where you're diagramming the journey yeah. from when someone first hears about your product or service to actually experiencing that benefit. And so the more that you have clarity around the steps that they take to get there, I think the real big difference in mindset is that you're now not only experimenting out in the channels, but you're really experimenting at every step across that journey to improve growth. So yeah. the, the, the highest leverage step that I see in almost every company is the first user experience on the product. If they, if you don't get that right, your retention is going to suffer. And if your retention suffers, then your monetization is going to suffer. Sure, and so just yeah. one quick story from log me in, I realized when I was trying to grow log me in, this was kind of my, my aha moment around this whole thing. Mm. I was trying to grow log me in, in the sort of old siloed way where I was out on 
Google uh, AdWords and could pretty effectively get us to about $10,000 a month in profitable spending. But what I was finding is that over 90% of the people who registered for LogMeIn in those early days never actually used the product. And so if they didn't use the product, I was definitely not going to convert them to pay for the product. And they weren't going to tell their friends about it and kind of everything in between. And so when I presented that data to the CEO, uh, Mike Simon, who's still still involved with the company, when I presented the, the data to him and said, I'm going to have a really hard time in the marketing role growing this business until we address this big bottleneck around usage, to his credit, he said, this needs to be the number one initiative in the company for at least the next month or two and maybe beyond. Yeah. And basically put a pause on the overall product roadmap and just said, all hands on deck to get that first user experience right. And uh, we were able to we were able to actually get a 10x improvement in the number of people who signed up and actually used the product. Yeah, yeah. And what that meant to growth in the business was that I didn't need to be more creative in how I was marketing the business. I just went back to the same things I'd previously tested that only scaled to $10,000 now they scale to over a million dollars a month with a complete payback on every dollar invested within three months. So unlike most VC-backed startups, we were cash flow positive all the way through growing that business. And it was really being able to start to pull that experimentation deeper into the customer experience that opened up that growth. And that's it starts with really trying to say, how do people get value from the product? And for me, it was knowing when I was at LogMeIn that hey, I have a thousand plus people a day signing up. My investors are ex- excited about that. Everyone's excited about it. But deep down, I knew those people were getting no value from the product because they weren't actually using it. Yes, so it was, yeah. it was a complete vanity metric. So without even surveying, I could at least uh, logically say they're not getting value. And so when I said, what is the, what is the point where they get value from the product? So just, just, like without even serving, you can probably start to be honest with yourself. Are people getting value? And if they're not, then I've got to do something differently. And that something different is trying to quantify what is that point of value and how do I, how do I really experiment everywhere that's needed to be able to drive, drive people to that point of value. That's fantastic. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences. How can listeners find out more about you? And more importantly, how can they get hold of your book? <laughs> yeah, so um, growthhackers.com, I'm pretty active on there. We actually have a Q&A place, so you can post questions there. I'm also active on uh, Twitter. My Twitter handle is Sean Ellis. But the book is what really lays a lot of this out, and you can find it on Amazon. You can find it quite a few places. It's called Hacking Growth, yeah. and uh, it's it's available on uh, an Audible version, a Kindle version. I was going to ask if there was an Audible version, because I do love Audible. Sorry, I shouldn't be yeah. emphasizing on this podcast, should I? I, mean, I do like them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, it's funny because Morgan and I actually did the recording, so it's, uh, it's authors. authors doing the recording. Brilliant. Yeah, so it was, uh, Morgan did the most of it. I just did the introduction chapter, but it's, uh, it's a very awkward process reading a book out loud into a oh, microphone. I bet, it, I bet it is. Do you have to sit in a little room to do it with a microphone? Yeah, little little room covered in <laughs> black egg crate, the uh, <laughs> egg crate cushiony stuff, so... <laughs> It was good. Um, it was a good experience. <laughs> well, 
Well, thanks for coming on, Sean, and thanks to our listeners. The show notes on the usual place, uh, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, if you would so wish. Um, questions and feedback. Uh, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.com. You can also tweet us at sitevisibility. Uh, if you want to connect with me personally, I'm Dr. Pod, D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-D, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Don't forget this site visibility group on LinkedIn. And I think that's it. That's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Sean. All right. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 